fundamentals. The thought behind this series is when you understand the rules of life, when you understand how and where you fit into God's big picture plan for this life, life is a whole lot more fun. I'm trying to play on the word fundamental. And I have found in my own personal life, watching sport or playing a game when you don't know the rules, it quickly becomes overwhelming. It becomes confusing to the point where you go, I'm just going to give up. Why even bother? We're looking at this morning as the church and thinking about the inside, but also the outside of the church. And there's a statement that I know you've heard before. And the statement is, what goes in must come out. There's something powerful about encouragement. The, the show, The Biggest Loser, it was on for over a decade. And the thing that was really powerful about that is you could go home all by yourself and diet. You could all by yourself exercise. You could lose an incredible amount of weight all by yourself. But there's something powerful about community and about doing things that are often very hard, doing them together. The same thing for the local church is one of the joys about being part of a local church is we do not have to do life by ourselves. When Jesus Christ instituted the church, he knows what you and I need. He knows that you and I need that mutual encouragement. We need to encourage others. We need when we're down to be brought up. We need to have sometimes the positive accountability that somebody else is relying on us. The local church is made up of many, many individuals. And unless you're an identical twin here today, nobody looks like you. And certainly nobody is exactly like you. You are a unique individual. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But the fact that you are an individual and you have a unique story and you have a unique background, two people are not exactly the same, but... That doesn't mean that we can't work together for what Jesus Christ has called us to. There's something about the real thing that you must have. There's lots of different organizations around. There's lots of different organisms in our community that help us to grow. They, they build relationships. They build sports. They build character. But there's nothing like the local church. And that's why Jesus Christ started a local church, not a sports club. That's why he started the church. And so therefore, when people come together with a common goal and a common purpose, we can do so much more together than we could ever do by ourselves. I mean, certainly we can encourage each other in Bible study. We can encourage each other through prayer. Something I genuinely enjoy receiving is through the week. People will send me text messages. Michael, this is going on. Will you please pray for me? And you know what I say when they say, will you please pray for me? I will say, I will join you in prayer. And it's not just a, a throwaway because anyone can say, I'll pray for you. But I'm thinking, you pray, I'll pray. We'll join together in that prayer. And it's a purposeful use of that terminology. We are just spending time with one another. Many of us have not had the privilege of growing up in Bunbury or this southwest region. So we've come in and we have no other family. We look around and you become our family. You become the surrogate 
uncles and aunts of our children. And when we need something, we, uh, we need encouragement, when we feel like we're all by ourselves, what a wonderful community that we get to be a part of. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, was talking to his disciples, but specifically talking to Peter. And he said this, I will build my church. That is Jesus Christ. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have been given an incredible opportunity as a local church. We have been the recipients of other people's grace time and time and time again. When we begin uh, 400 meters that way at Dialup College and we've grown and developed and then we're offered the opportunity to move here to the Bunbury Baptist College and the doors of the opportunity have just been flung wide open for us as a church and we literally have just walked through and receiving God's opportunities and God's blessings. And we work hard, we try hard, but God literally is opening the doors. We're not sitting there banging on the doors. He's opening and we're walking through. And with that potential, I in no way as a local church pastor and you as a part of our church want to in any way not reach our potential. We want to continue to grow and to develop. I don't want the good old days to be last week or last year. I want the good old days to be somewhere in the future because we'll continue to grow and to develop. And whether God continues to bless us with numbers, with, with many people coming, whether it's one person that comes to know the Lord as a Savior or 23, we will still celebrate it exactly the same because one person's life has been changed. And whether he continues to bless us with many people coming or we become a small group, we'll still be focused upon these same principles that we're going to discover this morning. Because one thing I do not want someone to say at my funeral, he had such potential. I want people to say he fulfilled his potential. In fact, he exceeded all our expectations. <laughs> yeah, he, he lived far longer than we expected. You know, with the same thing with our church, we don't want, oh, that church has such opportunity. That church has such potential. Oh, what could have been. So therefore, what we need to do as a local church, and we're going to go back to the beginning of our foundation, when we begin this fundamental series, we talked about the Word of God, the Bible. And that's where we discover the truths of what we're supposed to look like, like as a local church. So therefore, we're going to look at the Bible this morning and see what it is that Jesus Christ teaches us. We have a principle for today, and every single Sunday we have a principle. It's this, I must allow Jesus Christ to put in my life and church what he wants to come out. Remember I said earlier, what goes in must come out. And therefore, we have some personal responsibility. And as I specifically, as a tongue twister, ready? Specifically said personal responsibility because it's up to individuals. No one can do this on your behalf. No one can fulfill your potential for Jesus Christ in our community apart from you. We can't do that for you. So therefore, as a local church, our goal is to equip you and grow you and ultimately release you to what God has for you. What is it that Jesus Christ wants to put into your life so that what he wants to come out will actually come out? If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 28. It's the very end of the, the last 
In fact, we're going to look at the last three verses of the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And this is Jesus' words, the last words that are recorded in the book of Matthew before he ascended to heaven. And he's telling his disciples and giving them, it was commonly referred to as the Great Commission. But it's not just the commission to go out for missionaries. This is actually the Great Commission for us as a local church, as individual people, working together so we can't just say well this is for missionaries or this is for the church this is for me through my local church so that we can go out and fulfill the plan that god has for us the time and setting of this jesus christ has already died he's risen from the dead his disciples have have come together he's jesus has stood before people he's taught them he's prepared them and then he's about to ascend to heaven. He gives them this final commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And some of your Bibles will say at the very end, Amen, which means so let it be. These are the final words recorded by Matthew. So Matthew's coming to a conclusion. He began with a genealogy of Jesus and who he was. And then he begins with his birth, goes through his life, sees his death, his resurrection. Now it's the now what? One of the most unkind things that TV shows do all the time, it leave you with the to be concluded. Aren't they frustrating? In the days of now, we have Netflix, so we can just go, yes, next episode. But in the old days, children, you don't understand the pain we went through. In seven days' time, you will find out the conclusion of what's next. Well, here we see that we have forever been given a command by Jesus Christ to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing people, those that are saved in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to teach them to observe everything that Jesus Christ commanded us. And we're grateful because we're not doing it by ourselves because he says, I am with you every step of the way. And that is the now what? And every single day when you get up and you start thinking about why is it that I'm here on earth? Why do we exist as a church? It comes straight back to this. Connect, grow, and serve line up perfectly with the great commission of Jesus Christ. This morning, I believe that every Christian here today, because Christians make up a local church, if you're yet to place your trust upon Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are absolutely welcome. But we don't want to leave you where we found you. We want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. But every Christian here today can see Jesus Christ's church reach its full potential by inputting and outputting. There's three principles we have this morning. And they all begin with A, and it's authority, activity, and ability. I've tried to keep them as simple as possible so that I can remember them. So hopefully you can too, because everything that we do through our church, everything we do as an individual for Christ, ultimately really comes down to the authority, the activity, and the ability that is given to us through Jesus Christ. So first of all, we see here that the Gospel of Matthew gives us the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at it. That's our first point this morning. In verse number 18, again, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's an incredibly bold statement. And if it was you saying that, if we would be justified in going, hmm, no, no, it's not. If it was me saying it, I have all authority as the pastor of Southwest Baptist Church. You all do respect. You can say no. But when Jesus Christ says it, he has the authority. And quite literally, that word authority means power. And it's not just unlimited power. It's power that is under control. It is power that is used correctly to ultimately change our lives and change the lives of those around us. Jesus Christ exercises authority in a number of different areas. I'm going to list off some things and we're going to make some illustrations. And as we, as we see this, what Jesus Christ had authority over, I want you to attribute this to your own personal life. How do you see this being put into your life so ultimately it can come out of your life? Because if Jesus Christ has the authority, my natural response is that I have nothing. I can just sit back and do nothing. But therefore, what we see in the scripture is that Jesus Christ continues to tell us to go out and to do and fulfill our potential, fulfill our purpose in life. First of all, we see Jesus Christ exercise authority and his power in his teaching. He taught like nobody else taught. At that particular time in history, in the first century, you would have the Jewish scribes and their role was to write out. The, the Hebrew scriptures, write them out, write them out, write them out. I'm talking about, you know, continual forever writer's cramp. Your hand is cramping up every single day as you're writing out the scriptures, writing out the scriptures. And they had a very high esteem for the name of God. Anytime they came across the word Jehovah, they would stop, put down their, their I guess, quill. And they put that down and they would go and ceremoniously wash themselves and come back and continue to write out the scriptures. But it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 29, this is for he, that is Jesus, was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, the scribes, they knew about the Bible. They held, they held the word of God, the law of God in high esteem, but they didn't teach it with any conviction behind it. It was, here's what the words say. Now, of course, we could try to make Sunday as boring as possible and slow and reverent. I'm seeing how long I can do this before anyone falls asleep. That's what I can see the scribes doing. Here are the facts without the emotion without the feeling behind it. And when you understand the teaching of Jesus Christ and the incredible truth we find in the Bible, it is almost criminal to go and make the Bible boring and not have conviction behind it. So Jesus Christ taught with authority. So therefore, what can you and I do to put into our life that same conviction, that same authority of the truth of the Word of God so it can come out when we teach it to others? We also see you know, Jesus Christ exercise healing. He touched people that were quite literally the untouchables. In Matthew chapter 8, we see him touching a leper. And he says there in verse number 3, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. 
This man who had leprosy was quite literally a social death sentence as well as a physical death sentence. You were physically, you were never going to be healed. Anything medically, leprosy was, was you were never going to be healed of that. Also, socially, you were put out of the city. You were put into a colony. And according to the law, anytime you came across somebody, you had to ring a bell or make a noise and saying, unclean, unclean. Could you imagine the emotion behind that? Every single person you meet, the first thing they think about is, I have to stay away from him. I cannot talk to him or her. I, I totally avoid them. It's, you think a coronavirus is bad. Imagine being a leper. And Jesus Christ came out and touched this man that was untouchable. What can we put into our lives in a similar way when we can think about people that are not just exactly like us, but sometimes are the people that are hard to love? How can we take that into our lives so that we can put it out towards others? There's a story that's told about a father who had been in the military and he'd been serving apart from his family for a great deal of time and his family was waiting at the airport for him. His wife and his children, his youngest daughter was three or four years old and she had been unwell and she actually had been sick on herself just before he walked around the corner. And of course, it's, it's, it's disgusting. If you have children, you know, I mean, you clean it up, but you don't want to. And it's there on her and the man walks around the corner and he sees his daughter there, sees what's on her shirt, and he gets down on his knees and gives her the biggest hug, knowing that he will be dirty after hugging her. That's exactly what Jesus Christ has done. He doesn't want to miss out the opportunity of hugging us and loving us. He'll meet us where he found us to take us where he wants us to go. He doesn't put the prerequisite of clean up your life and get everything clean and then I'll love you. He says, I'm going to come and meet you in your filthiness, in your dirtiness, and I'm going to take you to where I want you to go. The beautiful thing is with this man that had leprosy. He didn't leave the man with leprosy where he found him. He touched him and he says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Jesus Christ does not leave you where he found you. Because he has the authority. He forgives sin. We see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I can't do that. You can't do that. We need to look to Jesus Christ to, to heal our sins and to forgive our sins. Jesus Christ exercised authority over Satan. And he gave that authority directly to his disciples. But there's a number of accounts. But in Matthew chapter number 10, verse 1, it says, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus Christ specifically gave that to his disciples. Also, we see they exercised authority in entrusting his disciples in ministry. And his disciples were not just the 12 disciples. I believe the Great Commission was specifically told to the 12 disciples, or 11 at that time, 11 disciples. But it also, ultimately, the same context goes for you and for me today. In verse number 18, it says, And Jesus came to and said, All authority in heaven on earth is given to me. Since Jesus Christ has the authority, as it says there, all authority. And quite literally, the word all means all. Like there's no, there's no special meaning there. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, uh, that's confusing about the word all. He says every aspect of authority is given to Jesus Christ. 
Because he has authority, no matter the circumstances, Jesus Christ is in control. No matter what my feelings are, the fact is that Jesus Christ is still in control. And as a result of that, my faith is no longer a private faith. My belief in Jesus Christ as my Savior is no longer something I just keep to myself in private. It's something that, according to the Bible, needs to be totally public and outwardly focused in every aspect. We see the authority uh, going into the local church. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, But is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In the book of Acts, which is right after the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Then we have the Acts of the church and, the, be- and the, the going forwards of the beginning of the local church that Jesus Christ started. We see that it operated, this local church operated on the basis of whose authority was Jesus Christ's authority. It went out and ministered to people, not in their own name, quite literally not even in their church name. So when we go out and minister as a a local church, we may say we're from Southwest Baptist Church, but we do that actually in Jesus' name and to share Jesus with others. It's not us-focused, it's Christ-focused. Dependent on the power of Jesus Christ and His guidance in every aspect of our life. And in Acts chapter number 1, verse 8, and if you studied missions or you've been around the church for a while, you know this verse. But I don't want this verse to become second nature just because I've heard it once or twice or 50 times before. Think, look at this in new eyes. What is it that Jesus Christ wants to put in your life to ultimately come out of your life? What does he want to put into our church to ultimately come out of our church? Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We don't face this world based upon our own authority. We do it through the power of Jesus Christ and and the, the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. When we begin to discover all the incredible things that Jesus Christ has done for us. The natural response is, now what do you want me to do? We have the authority of Jesus Christ. Now we need to see the activity of the local church. What is it that Jesus Christ has called you and I to do? When you get a, a new piece of technology, you ever pick up something and go, hmm, this is interesting and you have no idea what it does. So the next question is, yeah, but what does it do? In a similar way with our, our church, people may come in from the outside or, or, or attend a service and go, that was really interesting, or I enjoyed that service. But we need to answer the question is, but what is it that we do? Why is it that we do what we do? In verses 19 and 20 of Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Every ministry and every activity of Southwest Baptist Church is ultimately filtered through this particular goal here. This is the commissioning of Jesus Christ. It gives us direction. And Jesus Christ has not given us a limit on the word go. 
He didn't say go only this far. He just said go. So it's a continual, perpetual command. Every single day when you get up and you go, we're somewhere else. We're further along in our Christian life. Guess what? We haven't arrived. We still have the active commissioning to continue to go. And that gives us a drive to move forward. We never in the scriptures have any authority or any ability to sit back and go, we've arrived spiritually. We no longer have to learn anymore. I mean, those of you who are in year 12, you think to yourself when you receive your certificate graduating from high school, it's a big accomplishment. Congratulations. Well done. That doesn't mean that you no longer have to learn. In fact, if anything, you put the certificate in a frame and you put it in your drawer and then you go, "Okay, now I know nothing. Let's begin all over again. In a similar way with our Christian life, I've arrived. I'm here now, but I'm still commissioned to move forward and to go. We have an incredible message given to us through the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nowhere else in our society that we will learn an intimate and a personal relationship with God. The Bible says the heavens declare the majesty of God. You look at the stars and there's an obvious understanding there must be something bigger and greater than just me. We can even understand in some way by looking at nature and looking at, at science that this God is a God of order and this is a God that, uh, that has understanding. This must be a God that, that has structure in, in for us. But apart from the Bible, we do not know Jesus Christ. There's nowhere in nature that we see Jesus. So therefore, our church must be totally focused upon the Bible. So therefore, when we go, we go in the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit with the, the words of the, of the Bible to change people's lives. It's not by, as the Bible says, works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us. It is not according to our good works. It's not according to our eloquence or our flashiness or how well we, we present the gospel. It is the power of the Bible that makes the change. It goes on and says we are called to make disciples. Another word for that is basically followers. Or another way of saying it is apprentices. We're here to make followers that will ultimately make followers who will make followers who will make followers and continue on in the multiplication of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ around us. But something is quite liberating and gives me as a pastor a great deal of freedom and also liberty is that last line on, the, on the, verse number 20. It's on the screen. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Do you know what's liberating about that? I don't have to come up with all the ideas, and neither do you. We just get to preach the Bible. The only thing we're commanded to do in a local church is to tell people what the Bible says. It's not my opinion. I have an opinion, and so do you. But we're given authority to teach what the Bible teaches. And that verse right there, as a pastor, gives me such liberty. Because I don't have to worry about what I think. I just need to go back to what the Bible says and apply this truth of the word of God. And that's what I get to share with you each week. And it's a great honor to be able to stand before others and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Knowing that it's not my idea. I th thank God I don't have to come up with all of the ideas. I look at the Bible and there it is. Those of who attend the life group that is hosted at my house. As we talk through things, I go, that's a great sermon. Mental note. 
write that down as we're talking through, because there's all these incredible things we find in the Word of God through conversation. We go, that is a, that was, you know, that's a good three-point outline. All I need is a poem, and then we're good to go. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verses 1 and 2, it gives us, for me personally and my wife, it gives us a, a calling as parents. My greatest responsibility is to teach my children to know and to love God. Yes, I, I will feed them. Yes, I will clothe them. Yes, I will, you know, will teach them the basics of life. But the, the ultimate goal for my family is to teach my children to know and to love God. The same thing for our local church. The greatest calling is to not serve people to make them feel good. It's not to do a sausage sizzle. It's not to do a jumping castle, although that was fun on Friday night. The ultimate goal is to lead them into Jesus Christ. How we do that, you notice the Bible doesn't actually give us the methodology. It doesn't say, when you sing, thou shalt stand. We do it because it works. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you must have coffee and tea after church with really delicious cakes. We do it because it works. We're given freedom to express ourselves the way that we see fit based upon and through the, the word of God. And that gives us incredible liberty. So therefore, we don't have to look like the church down the road because they have something that we don't have and go, well, I guess that's what church is supposed to look like. All we do is go back and say, what does the Bible give us authority and liberty to share? It says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, You then, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's our greatest responsibility. And it's, it's through our great authority, it's through our tremendous ability that is given to us by Christ, that we begin this relationship with God. In verse number 20, it says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We have been given incredible authority. We've been given a, a tremendous activity of a local church. But you ever been told to do something and you have no idea how to do it? It's incredibly scary. You ever been given directions that are vague? Just go over there somewhere. That's probably the most unhelpful advice you can receive because you go over there and you go, now what do I do? Thank God he doesn't leave us by ourselves. And I've expressed this in many different Sundays over the last year. The fact that Jesus Christ doesn't say, go over there and go work out life for yourself. He quite literally says, follow me. I will guide you along each step of the way. Now, where you are and your circumstance and what God's doing in your life right now, you can put that into a box because in your mindset, you can think to yourself, God, you're asking me to do something that's genuinely scary. I know I can't do this by myself. And God says, I know you can't. Therefore, let's look what the Bible says. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And going back to Acts chapter one, verse eight, this is Jesus Christ talking. This is quite literally right before he ascended to heaven. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and all Samaria. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the power. He's going to be with you and guide you every step of the way. You know how much pressure that takes off of me? 
tomorrow when you go to work or you go to school, there's going to be aspects and opportunities and things that you, quite honestly, you cannot handle on your own. You need to, every single moment of every single day, rely upon the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Something that's absolutely beautiful here, it doesn't say it's conditional. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I don't want to underread or overread into this passage. But what it says there is that it makes a definitive you will. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit resides within you. All the potential that he has for you is within you. That doesn't mean that we're inwardly focused. We never learn. What that means is he's given you the ability to learn what you need to learn. He's given you the ability to speak the way that you need to speak. Uh, I often refer back to my very first message as a teenager. I was absolutely terrified and I was asked to speak at a youth service uh, for our church and I had pages and pages of notes. I was ready to go up there and, and, and to share and I stood up there and I went through all my notes, literally five minutes, and everyone went, oh, he's done? Like, he's done already? And I sat down so embarrassed, thinking I can never talk in front of people. Now you don't scare me at all. But you know what's incredible? is that God says, I'm with you every step of the way. There's things in your life where you are that you cannot do by yourself, but thank God the Holy Spirit resides in you to give you the power that you need. And he goes on and says, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. That last part, you will be my witnesses. We are always showing our faith. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. That's where I think we need to totally be reliant upon God in every aspect of our life because our testimony is so quickly lost. It takes such a long time to grow and to develop. Our community around us looks at us and they may, they may know you and filter through what they know about you as what they think about Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to make you feel guilty, it's to, but it's to encourage you and to drive us forward in the way that we respond, the way that we act, because we are witnesses, but I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ through the ability of the Holy Spirit in my life. It says in that passage, I must allow Jesus Christ to put my life and to put in my life in church what he wants to come out. We as a local church, we're called to loyalty. We're called to harmony. We're called to mutual purpose. We're not called to disloyalty. We're not called to disharmony. We're not called to division. So therefore, we need to, to constantly think in our minds, what am I allowing to come into my life? Particularly, am I allowing Jesus Christ to come into my life so that what can come out of my life is what He wants for my life and our church. I'm going to conclude with the passage that Jesus said right after chapter um, Acts 1.8, which is, you will receive power. Right after that, you imagine, Jesus Christ ascends up into heaven, and all the disciples and all the others that were there are like, because you've never seen that before. Like, how am I going to go back and explain this to other people? This is 
genuinely amazing. Their mouths are wide open. Jesus has just ascended up into heaven, and they've been told they're going to receive power. They're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he goes on in verse number 9. When he, as Jesus, said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went. Now, gazing into heaven, I mean, honestly, have you ever seen something amazing? I guarantee it wasn't like, yeah, it's okay. I guarantee it was like, oh, their mouths wide open, amazed at what they're seeing. And he says, and while they're gazing into heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw as you saw him go into heaven. That's the end. Then the rest is you read the rest of the book of Acts. They were never the same ever again because of what Jesus Christ has put in your life and in our church. We will never be the same again. And now we can go out in the authority and the activity and the ability of what he has called you and I to do. Don't you stand with me as we pray? And as I pray, I'm going to ask you pray where you're seated and say, God, I'm giving you permission to put into my life what you want to come out. Let's pray together.